everybody, and welcome to New Vine Community Church. I'm very happy to have each and every one of you here with us today, and uh, welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, just ask everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we will get started with worship. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you continue to do. We just ask that you come be our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. You my king's 
Take a second, turn around, say hello to somebody. My name's Allie, and we're glad you're here. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. Join us after the 11 a.m. service today for a chicken noodle dinner. Proceeds help pay for women's retreat. $6 for adults and $3 for kids under 10. See you there. Sunday, May 14th, invite your mom to church. We will have special gifts for all the women in honor of Mother's Day. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. I'm on. I am now. Hello. I'm maturing. I'm going to, I usually sit back there when Mark's preaching. I'm going to come right in the middle of this section. There's no one over here in this section. They, they've been, well, if you, if you deal with the rapture stuff, they're, they've been raptured. You guys are all left behind. So whatever. Um, this week's love week or today after the second service, you can buy some chicken and noodles, right? That's what's going on. I don't know whether they're, they're hiding cooking somewhere, but, um, or if you, or if you can, they're not done yet, right? Anybody know? Uh, okay. Well, they're somewhere. So I know nothing. So anyway, that's what's going on. Love week uh, is this week. So tomorrow we're meeting. We'll meet here about quarter after seven, and we go meet the bus drivers when they come back. So if you want to come help help do that, it'll be great. Wednesday, um, we cook out for Franklin High School and the junior high school. So we need a lot of help that day. There's 
two schools together. So we will be at the school about 10 o'clock, I think. I think the first lunch comes out at 1030. Does anybody eat lunch at 1030 in this room? You do? You eat, oh, you eat lunch at 1030? Well, come over. We'll give you a hamburger. It'll be great. So anyway, we'll be at the high, be at Franklin High School, um, go around behind at, at 10 o'clock and then Thursday, we cook out for the city workers in Franklin and, and the police and all them downtown. And then Friday, we cook out for Anthony Wayne. So what? It's behind the high school. Behind the high school. You have to go back behind the high school and, and the, a guard will let us in. Okay? So that's what's happening this week. So we need lots of help. It'll be fun. So we do, we do hamburgers and all the other stuff and uh, for, the, for the teachers and all the workers to the school. Okay? Um, remember in prayer, Beth Warner. Beth Warner's a uh, uh, lady in our church. Most of you know who she is. But anyway, she's, she has liver cancer. She's been in the hospital and she had a stroke. So, uh, so she's just a mild stroke, but, but anyway, it's a stroke. And so she's in UC hospital. So pray for her and pray for my mom. My mom fell last night in the middle of the night. And so I've been up all night, by the way. So, so that's right. If I'm all wired and crazy, I'm, I'm that way anyway, but, uh, she fell. So she's in the hospital. So I've, I left the hospital this morning about seven. So anyway, uh, she didn't break anything, but she's dehydrated and she doesn't know what's going on. So they said, do you want her to go home and see her doctor? I says, keep her so so you can get her taken care of so remember her in prayer and anyway anyone else have a prayer request real quick okay so lord just uh thank you that you love us thank you lord that we're your kids i pray lord that you would just uh, uh be with beth i pray lord for healing for her that you just touch her lord and i pray for my mom that you just be with her too and ask you to bless the offering in jesus name amen Check, check. There we are. Back. <clears throat> Morning. How are we doing, guys? Good. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 21. 
If you don't have one, it's all good. It'll be on the screen. And, uh, yeah. So, you guys doing all right? Good. So, we've been in a series on the 50 days after Jesus' death. It's, um, the different places that he appears to his disciples. And today we're going to look at a, another place where he appears to his disciples after his resurrection. And uh, has a conversation with Peter. Good? There's your introduction. So let's take a few moments just simply to be still, be quiet, open our hearts to God. And, uh, and we'll get going. Father, we thank you for this morning, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and open our hearts to you. We carry so much, so many things into this room, and so many stresses and anxieties, and so we just lay them before you. We ask that you just bless our time, and in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We're going to pick up in verse 9, but there's a few verses before that. that are important for the context, but it's such a long passage, I figured we'd skip them. So here, here's the context. Jesus has appeared to his disciples. Last week, Dad talked about him appearing to the disciples in the upper room and uh, Thomas coming and being Doubting Thomas and that being your nickname for the rest of your, for forever. And that he showed him his hands and his side and Thomas makes this confession, my, my Lord and my God. And you would think that would have been enough to kind of like pump the disciples up so that they would go out and begin this, this process of sharing this good news. But John tells us that they, they seem to make their way back to the Galilee region of Israel. And one day Peter, I don't know if he's bored, I don't know what's the story, but he says to the disciples, hey, let's go, I'm going to go fishing. And so they all go fishing one night. And so they're fishing, and they fish all night, and they catch nothing. And as they're on their way, it's probably early in the morning, as they're making their way back to the shore, there's a man standing on the beach, and he says to them, hey, have you guys caught anything? And they're like, no, we didn't catch nothing. He goes, won't you throw your nets to the other side of the boat? And for whatever reason, they do it. Now, I would, I would guess the reason being is that over the process of following Jesus, their hearts became attuned to the voice of God. Does that make sense? And so as they, they learned to, to, to live in step with, with Jesus, their heart opened up and became <clears throat> accustomed to or attuned to hearing the voice and saying yes. Ever have that moment where you hear the voice and you say yes? And so they, 
It, it doesn't make any sense. They've been in a situation before where they've argued with the same guy about throwing the nets over, and yet they do. And it says that they catch a ton of fish. And there's this moment where John realizes, oh, wait a minute, I know that voice. It's Jesus. And when Peter makes this realization that it's Jesus on the shore, says that he takes off his, his coat and he jumps into the water and he begins to swim to the shore. Now what's funny in the story is that John tells us that the disciples began to move the boat towards the shore. So in my preacher kid mind, because when you have a preacher kid mind, you make everything into like, I don't know, you'd sit back there and you think about it, right? In my head, you have Peter swimming to the shore, and then you have the disciples probably coming along next to him rowing the boat, right? And I wonder who won. I imagine Peter must have won because if John and the, and the guys in the boat would have won, John would have told us that. Because if you remember, he, all, he, told us, he tells us that he beat Peter to the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, right? So I guess Peter made it. He won this race. He's a, he should have been a triathlete, right? So they get to the boat. And Jesus is cooking on the shore. He says he's ha- he has a charcoal fire. And then he says, do you guys have, you know, bring me some of the fish. And he begins cooking the fish. And, and picking up in verse 9, it says this. It says, when they landed, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the nets ashore, and it was full of large fish. But even with so many, the net was not, and what's it say? Torn. This is John here giving a wink and a nudge. Because if you remember the story before, when they, the first time they caught fish, they had caught so many that the nets did what? They, they had torn. And maybe this is just a simple way of thinking that Before we have the resurrected power of Jesus in our lives, oftentimes the things that we carry, we just can't on our own. Our nets tear. But after we have the resurrected power of Jesus in our lives, through the Holy Spirit, our nets don't tear anymore. Yeah? That somehow God is in it with us carrying the things that are going on in our lives. It continues and says this, that Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus, Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. 
John tells us that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. And, and church history tells us that, P- that Peter was, was also crucified. But on the day that he was going to be crucified, he requested that he be crucified upside down because he didn't believe that, that he was worthy to be, to be killed in the same way that his Lord had been killed. And so it says that Peter then turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved that was, was following them. And so John can't stand it. He can't stand it that Jesus and Peter are walking along the beach without him. Without him. So he's, he's falling along. Once they eavesdrop, listen in. And so Jesus, so the disciple that Jesus loved was following them. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper, who had said, Lord, who's going to betray you. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And so in this story, Jesus reinstates Peter. In this story, Jesus restores their relationship. Ever mess up a relationship? Anybody ever do that? Only me, right? There's a number of things that we could talk about from this this passage, I guess. But I think the the most important thing here is this this back and forth between Jesus and Peter, and how it's a, a pattern for us in our lives, and, and a way to to live in a way that's, that keeps us whole with other people. Because I don't know about you, but I, the minute that I feel like I've, I've let somebody down or I've hurt someone else, I just carry that around. And it, in many ways, it, it, it becomes a burden that I can't carry. And so the question I'd like to, to wrestle with is this. How do you restore something that you've messed up? Because in this moment, Peter has messed it up. His best friend denying him, not living up to the person that Jesus believes that he is. And and it raises this question, like, how do we? How do we build, rebuild those bridges when we've burnt them down? Now, what's interesting about this story is that John records for us that there was a charcoal fire there. Anybody like the smell of charcoal fires? I love the smell of charcoal fires. And the reason I love the the smell of charcoal fires is because when I was a little kid, we would go to my grandparents' house for, for every holiday. And during the summertime, Granddad would always have his charcoal fire outside, kind of in the little carport area um, at his house. And oftentimes we would grill chicken. And so granddad would be outside with the charcoal fire grilling chicken. Grandma would be in the kitchen making her homemade barbecue sauce. And, and it was the best. And we would play wiffle ball. We would go down to the creek. Um, and so every time that I smelled charcoal, I instantly go back. Because smells have a way of doing that, right? You probably have certain smells that you you won't think about a person or whatever for, forever, and, and then you'll smell a certain smell, 
And it takes you right back to that, that moment. There's a, there's a particular, uh, women's perfume that I'll smell from time to time. And it reminds me of my fourth grade teacher, Miss Lehman. And so I'll smell this perfume. By the way, also a little bit of coffee and cigarette, that smell too. The mixture. I'll smell that smell and instantly I'm back in Miss Layman's classroom. Eight years old, you know? You think that mom thinks that's funny. Because smells have a way of connecting us to past events. There's two places in the scriptures that talk about charcoal fire. There's this place here where Jesus is cooking on a beach. But there's another place as well. Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken to the Sanhedrin. He's on trial. And Peter, and I assume the rest of the disciples to some degree, have followed along, but they're keeping, they're staying their distance because they don't want to get arrested. And so it tells us, the scriptures tell us that Peter's following along He's trying to listen into this trial and what's going on with Jesus. And that he's warming himself by a charcoal fire. And it's by this fire that a, a young woman says to him, aren't you one of, one of his disciples? And Jesus says what? He says, no, I don't know who he is. And three times by this fire, as, as Peter is warming his hands, he denies Jesus. They even say, we know that you're one of his disciples. You have the accent. Because they were hillbillies from the Galilee, right? We know you're, you're one of his. And he's like, no. I never, I, I never knew him, right? And so what's happening in that moment? I would imagine this. For the rest of Peter's life, Every time that he would smell a charcoal fire from that moment on, what would he remember? He would remember the moment that he denied his best friend. So Jesus here is a genius. Sometimes I say that and everybody laughs because like, of course he would be, right? He's, he's God. Jesus here is a genius because what is he doing? He's taking the moment that would have reminded Peter of the worst decision that he'd ever made. And he's repurposing it. From this moment on, when Peter smells that fire, he's not going to remember the time that he betrayed his best friend. He's going to be, he's going to remember the morning when that relationship was restored. Yeah? And so a couple of thoughts here. Number one, Jesus invites us to face our failures. In this moment, with that fire burning and the smell of that smoke coming off of the beach, Peter has to face what he has done. Peter has to 
to step into that moment. Smelling that smell, reliving all of that, all of those things that he had said. Because Peter could have just simply swept it under the rug, right? He could have just been like, eh, no big deal between the two of them. And Jesus, I assume, could have swept it under the rug. But instead, Jesus creates this environment, if you will, where we, he has to step in and face this mistake. Yeah? And so when it comes to restoring relationships, when it comes to fixing the things that we've messed up, step number one is we have to fess up to it. Step number one is that we have to face it. Does that make sense? Because if we don't, then we're never going to deal with the things that mess us up. We have an old house. And in our old house is an old wooden floor. And it needs to be refinished, but that takes time and money and skill. I have none of those things. So we just let it be what it is. It's our old wood floor. When Annabelle was little, and still sometimes to this day, she loves to run around with no shoes on. And every now and again, she'll get a splinter in her foot. Ever had a splinter? Hopefully we've all had splinters, right? It's a common common thing. Now, there's two ways that you can deal with a splinter. You can just let it stay in there, and that's usually not a good thing because it gets infected and all those, you know, whatever. I've tried to ignore stuff like that, and you just can't ignore it. What do you have to do when you get a splinter? You have to get out the flashlight and the tweezers and maybe a knife, and you got to pin that little girl down as she's kicking and screaming. And you got to just deal with the problem, right? And oftentimes that's what it feels like when we have to face our failures. We'd like to just pretend that it wasn't there, but what happens is that we just end up limping around for the rest of our lives. <clears throat> when it comes to dealing with the issues of our lives, when it comes to restoring our relationships, we have to sometimes just deal with the problem. So we got to get out the flashlight, we got to get out the tweezers and maybe a knife, we just got to bite our lip and deal with it. Does that make sense? And so oftentimes when it comes to relationships, we have to do that. We have to make that phone call. We have to go see that person. We have to be vulnerable. We have to say that we're sorry. We have to just and not make up an excuse like, you know what, I was wrong here. And so, number one, Jesus invites us to face our failures. Number two, as they're sitting there on the beach, three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The first two times Jesus, uh, John records for us that Jesus, or the way that he writes it, is that Jesus uses the word agape. The first two times. In the Greek language, there are three words for love. Gape, uh, philia, and I don't remember the other one. Not important for the story. We only need those two for the story. The first two times Jesus uses the word agape, do you love me? And this is that kind of that relationship that you have between yourself and God. That, that love that animates all things. 
that love that holds all things together, that love that looks past the brokenness that we may display. It's that relationship that we have with, you, with God. Does that make sense? It's probably the relationship that you have with your children, that agape love. There's nothing that they could do that would stop you from loving them. You just look past all that stuff, right? What's interesting here in this story is that the third time that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the word philia, which is uh, the Greek word for friendship love or brotherly love. Like the, the Philadelphia is the same root word, the city of brotherly love. And it tells us that Peter was hurt. Why? I think that the... I didn't think about this before. Remember the story of the prodigal son where the son returns and in his head, he's only going to come back as what? As a servant, right? That's in his head what the status is going to be. I'm just going to be your servant. I've messed this up too much to be your son, but I'm going to be your servant. And what is that happens in the story? The father restores him back to sonship, right? I imagine that in this story here, Peter's thinking, and maybe in the same way, okay, I've messed this up. I will never be friends again. I'll still serve you and love you because you're my Lord and Savior, but we're probably never going to be friends again. And what does Jesus do here? He's like, hey, Peter. You want to be friends again? And so, so Peter was hurt. And probably hurt in the good, in the good sense of the term, like, like this moment of relief. Not only am I going to serve my Lord and Savior, but I'm, I get to be friends with him again. Yeah? And so, restoring relationships first calls us to face our failures. But secondly, Jesus invites us to rebuild what we have broken. And so, one of the ways that I think about this, especially with having conversations with people who have had broken relationships and are in the process of reconciling those things, is that if we're going to rebuild a relationship, then it takes two. Oftentimes, and I've said this a thousand times, that relationships start off with this bridge of trust that we just kind of have. But when we make bad choices, what we do is we end up blowing up that bridge. And if we're going to restore it, then it's going to take two of us. And, and I'm going to have to build my side. And the other person's going to have to rebuild their side. And if the two of us can rebuild together, we can restore what we've lost. But in any moment where one of the two chooses not to rebuild, then oftentimes, unfortunately, those relationships are just going to be what they are. Yeah? So what Jesus is doing here in this story with Peter is he's rebuilding. Peter, do you love me? Places the brick down. Peter's, yes, of course I love you. Steps a little closer. Peter, do you love me? Builds his side. Peter, of course I love you. Peter, do you love me? 
you know that I love you. And boom. Now, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that Jesus asks him this how many times? Three. Why would that be important? Because it was three times that Peter denied him. Yeah? So with every question, in the same way in the courtyard, didn't you know him? No, I didn't know him. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. He's replacing in that moment the brokenness that Peter established in the courtyard. Good? So we face our failures. Jesus invites us to rebuild what is broken. Which leads us to an interesting part of the story. Jesus tells Peter, hey, listen, I want you to take care of my, my flock, but it's going to come with a cost. Because eventually you're going to have to, to it's going to lead you into, into the same place that led me, to death. And Peter, I assume, is wrestling with this, this reality that his story is not going to end essentially with a, <clears throat> in a good way. And so it says that he turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. And in verse 21, it says, when Peter saw him, he asked, he said, Lord, what about him? And what does Jesus say? He says, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what's it say there? What is that? What is that to you? You must follow me. See, oftentimes the thing that gets in the way of our relationship with God and relationship with other people is that we worry too much about what other people's destinies. We worry too much about other people's stories. We look at our lives compared to other people's lives and we think to ourselves, why do they get off it so easy? And I have to carry this around, right? Now here's the thing. We're all carrying our own stuff. Nobody has it easy in here. We may trick people into thinking that we have it easy by putting all of our best pictures on Instagram and Facebook and making statuses about all the great things that we do, right? And so it's easy to look at outside of, or look to the outside of other people's lives and think, oh man, they got it so easy. Why do I have to carry this around? But here's the thing. We're all carrying crap around. Nobody, I, I see your faces. I know your stories. We all got it rough. Yeah? When we, and when we assume that other people don't have it rough, that gets in the way. It becomes a block. It blocks us from our relationship, an authentic relationship with God. It blocks us from having authentic relationships with other people. Because we begin to feel what? Sorry for ourselves. And that's not to negate the, the, the things that we struggle with. Because I know that we, a lot of us, we struggle with some really heavy things. But Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. 
And so perhaps we could say it like this. Jesus invites us to embrace our call and not other people's calls. Jesus calls us to embrace our call and not other people's calls. Because when we find ourselves envious, jealous, afraid that we're missing out, that blocks us from being able to experience the relationships and, and the, the appreciation for this beautiful gift that is our lives. Good? Good. And so we face our failures, we rebuild what we've broken, we embrace our call. Now it raises this question, why does this matter? Why does it matter? Why does, why does God call us to restore the broken things that we've partake, partaken in? Why does, why does God call us to, to make amends and to live in right relationship with other people? Well, I would say this is why. Because God's in the restoration business. He's in the process of restoring all things. And guess what that includes? That includes me and that includes you. And that the way that God brings restoration, the way that God brings restoration to the world begins with restoring you. And that's a typo there. That's my bad. The way that God brings restoration. It's a joke. Thought it was, thought it was funny. Maybe not that funny. Thank you. I'm the worst about typos. So if, the, if my computer doesn't figure out that I can't spell something, and I can't spell anything, if, yeah, if the computer doesn't pick it up, Pat has to pick it up. So Pat's my uh, spell check. Good, makes sense. All right. Sounds like heaven approves. Maybe. Or it's like, ah, that's wrong. That's dumb, Mark. Two questions. What's God saying to you? What's one thing that you can do about this week? Maybe for you, there's a broken relationship that you just need to face. Maybe you need to have that hard conversation. Maybe you need to just forgive something. Let it go. Maybe for you, you're caught up looking at other people's lives, and perhaps maybe you should just simply hear the, what is that to you? You follow me. What is it for you? What is God call, What is God saying to you? What's one thing that you can do about it this week? So we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this, and then we're going to share communion together. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments.
Amen. If you have one of these, grab it, take it out. Every week we take part in this meal, this reminder of who God is and who He's calling us to be. And for us, <clears throat> we practice this, this discipline of that everyone is welcome to take part. Because even in the story, Jesus, He invited all of His disciples. They, they all, the, the twelve were all there and you had one who denied him, you had one who betrayed him, the rest deserted him, and yet they were all welcome. And so for us, we, we believe that, that Christ welcomes all of us to the table. And every week we pray this prayer to, to center our hearts and our minds. And so pray this with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And that we're reminded that we get to take part. That we are called to be broken, poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look at the person next to you and say, the body of Christ is broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ is shed for you. Right? Amen. Let's all stand. If you want some chicken noodle, is it chicken noodle soup? Oh, that sounds even better. I just thought it was going to be chicken noodle soup. <clears throat> if you want some of that, come back, I guess, or maybe you can get, can you get one to go? I don't know. Talk to Lee. She's probably in charge of it. Oh. Look in, yeah, go look in the kitchen. Just pop your head in there. Love week help too. We need help to love people. So. All right, let's pray. We'll go home. So, Father, we just thank you for this this story. We thank you for the way that you restored Peter and that in the same way you're restoring us. And so may we live that out. May we just accept, embrace your grace. May we experience it. May we extend it to the people in our lives.
So we ask that you just be with us this week as we go. Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide us and keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. See you guys.